Ashley Mariah Loring Heavy Runner was born on November 23rd, 1996 and grew up as a member of the Blackfeet Indian Reservation in Montana, USA, a stretch of land spanning over 1.5 million acres, bordering the Rocky Mountains to the west and Canada to the north. As a child, Ashley herself lived in Browning, the reservation's capital. However, following her mother's substance abuse issues, Ashley and her sister Kimberly spent a number of months in foster care before going to live with their grandparents and other siblings on a ranch in Hart Butte. Whilst living with her grandparents, Ashley learned how to ride horses and spent much of her time caring for them. She also helped her grandmother where she could, for example, chopping wood for the log-burning stove and shoveling snow in the winter months. Ashley and her sisters also spent many an evening swimming in a nearby creek, bonding ever closer. At high school, Ashley was very talented at cross-country running and volleyball, and she graduated in 2015. Throughout her teen years, she also enjoyed capturing many photographs of her family, friends, and places she went to. She truly cherished the moments she captured on film. Following graduating high school, Ashley became an environmental science student at Blackfeet Community College in Browning, though she always thought ahead to the future. Ashley planned on moving to Missoula to be with her sister Kimberly in June of 2017, with the intention of sharing the apartment together and starting fresh when the next college semester commenced in the autumn. At 20 years old, Ashley was described by her family and friends as being smart, feisty, funny, responsible, outgoing and emotionally, physically and spiritually strong. Many also described her as beautiful and that she had a contagious smile. On June 6th, 2017, Kimberly Loring, who was on vacation in Morocco at the time, received a phone call from her sister, where the pair discussed plans for Ashley moving into the Missoula apartment following Kimberly's return from vacation in two days' time on the 8th. At some point prior to Kimberly's return, Ashley asked her sister if she could borrow some money, but unfortunately Kimberly couldn't lend a hand. She asked her sister if she was okay, and Ashley simply replied with, Always. On June 7th, it was reported that Ashley made contact to a number of her Facebook friends, asking for a ride into town from the family ranch, strangely contacting many people she hadn't actually spoken to in a long while. One person replied, but unfortunately couldn't help Ashley out. As she waited for a ride to arrive at the ranch, she packed some belongings and said goodbye to her grandmother before going outside into a car which was waiting for her.
Ashley's Facebook profile was last accessed the following day on June 8th and ever since her account has remained untouched. Kimberly boarded her flight to Montana that same day, June 8th, and upon landing, she decided to call her younger sister, but her texts and phone calls remained unanswered. Ashley wasn't reported as a missing person straight away, however. Her family didn't grow concerned until the tail end of June, and this was because Ashley commonly misplaced her mobile phone, therefore couldn't make any contact with her family. But as the days ticked by with no word from the 20-year-old, the lowering heavy runners began to feel that something was very wrong especially following the hospitalisation of Ashley's father, Roy Lee, on June 14th for kidney issues. Kimberly tried to make contact with her sister about the situation, but she couldn't get hold of her. This was very out of character, as both Ashley and Kimberly especially were very close. Kimberly then appealed on a number of social media platforms, asking if anyone had seen or heard from her younger sister, and some claimed to have actually seen Ashley at a party on the reservation on the evening of June 5th. A Facebook video allegedly showing Ashley at the party that night. There are a number of conflicting accounts on which date Ashley was last seen, ranging from the 5th of June in Browning or St Mary to the 13th of June at a bank. Therefore, a more specific time frame of her disappearance is difficult to pinpoint. With Ashley having failed to return home by the month's end, her family reported her as a missing person to the Tribal Police and the BIA, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, though the latter allegedly did not take the case very seriously during the early stages of the investigation, despite being responsible for looking into all major crimes on the reservation. The lowering Heavy Runner families searched for Ashley for weeks on end alongside the small tribal police force. Meanwhile, the BIA did not fully come on board with the search efforts until two entire months had passed. According to several sources, the BIA believed that there was nothing to worry about. Ashley was a young woman who was old enough to make her own decisions and do whatever she pleased. If she chose to go incommunicado, then she had the right to do that. But Ashley's family didn't believe that this was the case, that she had disappeared by choice. It was completely out of character. Unfortunately, though the tribal police did assist in the searches for Ashley, the force only comprised of a mere 17 officers. For the entire force to cover 1.5 million acres of the reservation to look for Ashley was a near impossible task. Restricted funding is also a huge issue for the tribal police and despite wanting to assist further, they were simply stretched enough as it was due to the lack of resources and funding.
The BIA themselves did eventually conduct six separate searches for Ashley, but with months having passed by this time, it seems ludicrous to conduct search operations so long afterwards, as any potential evidence such as traces of DNA, blood or clothing fibres would have been long gone. Interestingly to note, according to an article on the Guardian website, Kimberly Heavy Runner Loring claimed that one of the lead investigators actually began a relationship with someone who later became a prime suspect in Ashley's disappearance, and Kimberly also claimed that this individual was leaking information to this suspect. Unfortunately, there is no way to confirm whether this is mere speculation or something more. Furthermore, due to complex legal issues, even if a non-native criminal was found responsible for something as sinister as murder on tribal lands, they cannot be charged as the tribal police are not a federal agency and the non-native criminals themselves are out with tribal jurisdiction. Therefore, they have no legal power over them. These are just some of the many issues the tribal police face and more needs to be done to support them. If they don't have the resources to protect their citizens from crime, how are they supposed to keep their communities safe? Two weeks passed with no leads as to Ashley's whereabouts, though the first potential lead was then called in. Witnesses had allegedly seen a young woman matching Ashley's description running from a car on a desolate road on Route 89, which was surrounded by swamps and forestry. Following these sightings, a three-day search was conducted of the area by the tribal authorities and the BIA, but unfortunately they found no trace of Ashley. Due to lack of authoritative assistance as the investigations continued, Kimberly took matters into her own hands and did everything she possibly could to find her missing sister. She still does to this day. Kimberly scoured the mountains, sometimes with family and friends, sometimes alone, calling out for Ashley, walking along long winding trails, trails which are known for being party spots. Kimberly also spent much of her time investigating the likes of ravines and fresh mounds of earth across the Rockies and even analysed several bones, but all appeared to belong to the reservation's wildlife. She had a few run-ins with grizzly bears along the way, but even they didn't deter her. What scared her more than anything was the thought of Ashley, alive or dead, being alone somewhere in the mountains. Kimberly continued to appeal for information on social media, gave out countless flyers to the public and raised funds online for search party efforts and as a result has managed to conduct well over 100 searches of the reservation in all manner of treacherous conditions. 
She even took it upon herself to investigate every single tip she was given, but unfortunately, her efforts have mostly led to dead ends. That was until Kimberly and a family friend found a pair of red-stained boots and a tattered grey sweater in a dump on the northern edge of the reservation near to the town of Bab. Upon discovering these items, the pair were almost certain that they belonged to Ashley. However, despite turning the boots and sweater into law enforcement for DNA analysis, three years on and the luring heavy runner families haven't received word of any results. Another source states that these items were actually misplaced by authorities but were then recovered and that they are now currently being analysed but time will tell if this is to be believed. By February of 2018, the FBI spearheaded Ashley's case, quote, at the request of the BIA, though why it took nine months to appoint the FBI to this case is not clear. Some sources do state that it was because information about the case was coming from outside the reservation, therefore was out of the tribal police's jurisdiction. Tips had been called in about possible links to the likes of Washington rather early on in the investigation. So why did it take so long for the FBI to take the reins of this case? On the first anniversary of her disappearance in June of 2018, Ashley's family marched in order to raise awareness of her case and other missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls cases, a tradition which has since continued annually. So little was being done and to this day very little progress has been made. Later that same month, Ashley's family were granted permission to search a trailer that the 20-year-old student resided in during the summer months prior to her disappearance. Law enforcement had already sweeped the trailer, but the family wanted to see it for themselves, firmly believing that there must have been something in the trailer to indicate what happened to Ashley. Her aunt and uncle, who were searching the trailer, found rather unusual red staining, similar to dried blood, on some carpet behind an old box TV set. So they cut the square of carpet out and preserved it as best they could in a shopping bag, before turning it in to the authorities for analysis. But as with the boots and sweater found on the edge of the reservation, the results of DNA tests are not known. This grisly discovery in the trailer understandably overwhelmed many members of the Loring Heavy Runner families, as did the discovery of bones near to the trailer. The bones were later determined to belong to animals. What little hope the family had in finding Ashley alive at this point dwindled into a tidal wave of fear. Had the worst happened to her? 
Interestingly to note here is that the trailer itself was located near to a lake house on the reservation, which belonged to a man in his 50s named Sam MacDonald, who was allegedly one of the last people to see Ashley alive. Following the death of her grandfather and a difficult breakup, Ashley fell into a dark place and allegedly began using drugs to cope with the pain. She also started spending time with an older crowd, which included the company of Sam MacDonald, who had been battling drug addiction for a number of years. According to one source, when being interviewed about being with Ashley prior to her disappearance, Sam said that he was, quote, being framed on a number of occasions and insisted that he wasn't involved. Despite this, however, Sam was questioned by police numerous times and his house was also searched, though it appears nothing of significance was found. According to Sam, he had spent six days with Ashley during the summer, where they partied together and allegedly took drugs. Sam claimed that he last saw Ashley on the early morning of June 11th, after he dropped her off at the roadside, where she was allegedly waiting for someone nicknamed V-Dog to pick her up. Another man in his 50s with previous convictions of burglary and weapons offences. According to a number of sources, Ashley was in a relationship with V-Dog, real name Paul Valenzuela, who was allegedly still married at the time to a woman named Tashina T. Running Crane, though he filed for divorce a month after Ashley's disappearance. Many speculated that this affair could have been the catalyst which caused Ashley to vanish. However, T denied ever knowing of her husband's affair until after Loring disappeared. T claimed that she and her husband were in Seattle at the time, though a correctional officer watching over Paul in regards to a weapons offence told a superior court judge that he had told him on June 9th of his plans to return to the Blackfeet Reservation to collect his belongings. Two days later, Paul allegedly met Ashley at the side of the road. According to Sam McDonald, as the pair waited for Paul in his car by the roadside, he fell asleep, having been on a bender for days. He alleged that he woke up after a nap, and by this time, Ashley was gone. Sam then allegedly started looking for her, but she was nowhere to be seen. He simply concluded that Ashley had gone with Paul. According to Kimberly, Sam also alleged that Paul and his ex-wife T knew what happened to her sister, but the blame game became a vicious cycle, with each of them blaming one another and time and time again claiming they were being framed. Each appeared to get lost in their own web of deceit. Many speculate that the trio were either covering for one of them 
or they were all involved somehow, but without any evidence, it's difficult to know with certainty, though their behaviours certainly do raise many red flags. In early July, Paul was due to return to Washington, where he was in a correctional facility, but he did not return and evaded authorities until September. In early October, he was given a 20-month sentence in regard to weapon offences. Despite suspicions surrounding the trio and numerous interviews being conducted, Nobody has ever been arrested or charged in relation to the disappearance of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. Some believe that due to the dark and violent past of the Blackfeet tribe at the hands of government authorities, anyone in the locality who may know something about Ashley's disappearance may be too afraid to come forward, fearful of the repercussions. There is a huge trust issue between the two, which is an entire separate issue, though some of these issues include the fact that many Native children were forced into boarding schools, with parents who refused being sent to the infamous Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary. A disproportionate amount of native men were also sent to prison, and in the 1970s, indigenous women were forced into sterilisation. As a result of these and many other despicable acts carried out against native people throughout history by government authorities, the tribal communities very much keep themselves to themselves, fearing what could happen to them if they speak up. The truth of the matter is, in this case, is that Ashley's loved ones firmly believe that the truth lies in Browning itself and someone out there knows what happened. All they want is for the person or persons involved to come forward so that they can finally have closure and, most importantly, bring Ashley home. In December of 2018, it was reported that human remains were found on the reservation and it was initially believed that the remains were that of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. However, tests concluded in April 2019 that the remains were ancient and belonged to a middle-aged Native American male, a Blackfeet law enforcement officer named Robert DeRosier. Three years on and no trace of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner has been found. Like so many before her, Ashley is another Native woman whose disappearance has fallen under law enforcement's radar. Ashley's family have spent countless days, weeks and months scouring all over the reservation in order to find something, anything which could tell them what happened to her. Ashley's sister Kimberly refuses to give up hope, despite the difficulties she faces, and is determined to find out what happened to her sister. She said, quote, No matter what it takes, we're going to keep looking for Ashley. 
Kimberly wants her sister's name to be remembered and not forgotten like so many missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. She spoke in front of the US Senate Committee on Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C., calling for new protocol in regards to missing persons cases on reservations. Kimberly is doing everything in her power to combat these missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls issues in honour of her missing sister, and she won't stop fighting until justice is served. According to ABC News, there's a well-known saying in Native communities, one which is truly heartbreaking, yet resonates in cases such as Ashley's. Quote, when an Indigenous woman goes missing, she goes missing twice. First, her body vanishes, and then her story. But we at the Stolen Sisters podcast are not going to let that happen. At the time of her disappearance in June of 2017, Ashley Loring Heavy Runner was 28 years old, standing at 5 feet 2 inches tall and weighing approximately 90 pounds. She is of Native American origins and has long, straight, light brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a t-shirt and jeans, has pierced ears and sometimes wears glasses. There is currently a $10,000 reward for any information leading to the whereabouts of Ashley Loring Heavy Runner. If you have any information regarding this case which could be useful to authorities, you can contact Blackfeet Law Enforcement Dispatch Centre on 406-338-4000. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Stolen Sisters podcast. Remember to look out for one another, to keep vigilant and to stay safe. We'll see you in the next episode.